Okay, before I will tell you um, our passage today, I'll do a little bit of you know, um, a reverse. Okay, I'll do my introduction first and uh, I'll tell you what's the title of our message uh, this morning. Now, uh, how many of you remember in the first chapter of the book of John, uh, we read there that Jesus began to call his disciples. Okay, if you, you have read that passage, you know that uh, among them were Andrew, right? And uh, Peter, his brother, and Philip, who later on told Nathaniel about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know what's the response of Nathaniel, right? Um, because he told, uh, Philip told Nathaniel that they found what Moses and the prophets told in the Old Testament. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. And quite, um, you know, startling or even... You know, if you see the reaction of Nathaniel, he responded to Philip, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Right? Because if you, you know, study what's there in Nazareth, truly you can see, you will say that there's nothing that should come out good there. Um, but then he asked this. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Nathaniel did not expect much until he met the Savior. And Nathaniel realized that Jesus was much better than he had expected. And after he met Jesus Christ, his life was never been the same ever since. Because God, or Jesus Christ, changed him. Now, I really think that there are Christians who failed to read the Bible through because as they approach the book of Leviticus, they would ask also the same question, something like similar to that. Leviticus, you know, can there any good thing from this book? How many of you um, remember that situation? You know, I remember growing up and then um, reading through my Bible and then I approached this book. And I said, what is this? It's like repeating and repeating and repeating. Okay, but um, among Christians, I think Leviticus might be our least studied book um, and, uh, of the Bible. So there might be Christians say, this year, I'm going to read through the entire Bible. So they sailed through the most of Genesis, right? And they got slowed down in Exodus, especially when you go into the tabernacles. And, uh, and by Leviticus, their Bible is back on the shelf, collecting dust. Why? Because they uh, met this book. Well I, think, well, I think we all believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, right? We all believe that. I have no problem here in this room 
with regards to that truth, that the Bible is God's inspired word. Part of something being inspired means that it is supposed to have something that uh, isn't just helpful to one generation, but to all generation. And you can see a lot of, a lot of Christians also trying to say, oh, it's, it's not for us. It's for them. But it cannot be applied to us. Well, I should say that the whole counsel of God, the whole Bible, is actually can be applied for us, even into this day. And you should say that even, even it's like thousands and thousands of years ago, still the Word of God is able to change the lives of every person. And this time we will have a uh, survey in the book of Leviticus. And I, I, I purposely did not include in our uh, 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 sermon today about the priest for time's sake, because uh, if I... You know, I am expecting if I include that in a pre- priest section, will be uh, uh, one more hour. Uh, but uh, for that time's sake, uh, I did not include that. But the priest section ties in, okay, ties in to what I will point out this morning. Okay, so before we dive in in in, mo- in mo- more of this book, I want you to understand something that God wants to fellowship with his people simply because god is our creator he is not a something a um a god that is distant well we know that god uh, the transcendent god but also we we know that god is a relational god he wants to be with his people he is a kind of a relational kind of god he is not a god that you know he he just created the world and left the world and his creation, you know, by itself. And that's why he wants to, to um, fellowship with us. And there are numerous passages in the Bible that God longs for the fellowship of his people. Now, I can give you some. Genesis 5, to 24, we know that Enoch walked with God and speaks about relationship. We also heard, um, read in Genesis chapter 6, and, uh, 6, verse 9, that Noah walked with God. So you, we, we see the, here the relationship of God uh, to his creation. Exodus chapter 29, verse 45, I will dwell among the sons of Israel. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst. That's what the Lord told his people. Now, if you go to New Testament, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, uh, John told um, you know, the, the people that uh, the audience of his letter, he said, that which we have seen and heard, declared we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ so those are just examples of numerous passages in the bible from genesis down to revelation that talks about god wants to fellowship with his people now he longs that 
intimate relationship to every single one of us. Now, so God wants to dwell with his people. So, however, we have this miserable sin that prevents God from fellowshipping with us. So, I believe this book was written to answer these two main questions. How to get close to God, okay? How to get close to God and how to stay close to God. Let's open in the book of Leviticus chapter 19. We'll be reading two verses, verses 1 to 2. Verses 1 to 2. Okay, I will read this passage and you can uh, follow me through. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children, uh, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, if you, you know, I underline those, uh, the phrase there, for I am the Lord your God, I'm holy. And it's specifically, uh, I, the Lord your God, or I am the Lord, um, you can see a lot on those in that chapter. I am the Lord in, in, in verse 3, I am the Lord your God. In verse 4, I am the Lord your God. Now, in a lot of those uh, passages there, you can see that God wants to dwell with his people. So in this passage, we read that God's people shall be holy, and God, uh, for God is holy. So holiness is really hard sometimes to define because we have those uh, you know, opinions of what is uh, really the idea of holiness. The idea of holiness is the idea that invites comparison. It's where you see two things and conclude. When you see two objects, you really see one of these is not like the other. You can say that there is none exist in this earth and the whole creature of God the same as God. He is unique. And I don't, um, so we can see here that God is really holy. And that's how the book of Leviticus expressing who God is. And it's, don't, I don't believe that holiness is just one part of um, God's attributes. Um, you, know, you know, one of the attributes of God, we, we learn that is God is loving, is merciful, is um, just, is holy. You know, I think instead we should uh, view holiness, it's the sum total of who God is. You know, the reason why he is a loving God, because he is unique. He is different. The way he loves people is different to any gods that all religion expressing. So he is a merciful God. Why? Because he is a holy God. Okay, so, so, um, so holiness is a sum total of his being, of who he is. God is uh, loving and merciful and just and perfect and pure because he is holy. So the word holy means, um, you know, as what I've said, um, if you want to go into the detail of the root or the, 
well, you can go ahead with that, but um, I will just give you a simple one. So, meaning it's a set apart or unique or different. I'm not saying that's weird, okay? But literally, we can, we can say that us being Christians, we are somewhat weird in the eyes of the world, right? Because we don't uh, follow what the world is saying. We don't follow what the world is doing. So God is set apart from all other things because his unique role of being the creator of all things. So wherever God is, all around him is holy. And it's full of perfection with his goodness, his love, his life. He, he is what he is. What he said is, I am what I am. Remember when, when um, Moses met the Lord in a burning bush? And then because of curiosity, uh, Moses wants to, you know, really go closer and to look why is the bush is not consumed even though it's on fire. But the Lord told him to remove his sandals. What? Why? Because the ground where he is at now is holy. Is holy. So God is really set apart from all things. So if God is holy, how can I or you or the rest of the world being sinful to get close to him and to stay close to him? I believe that this is what, you know, Leviticus is really amazing because God has given us, you know, a, a, a picture here and also if you tie a study of Leviticus to Hebrews, now you can see and understand what's going on here in Leviticus. And, and your study is, will go and will, you know, will be 100% change, uh, and so to speak, in looking into this book. So how, how, how to get close with God? How to get close to God? Now first, we must understand that we have a great problem of sin. Okay, so when we read Leviticus chapter 1, I'll be reading that. Leviticus chapter 1. Um, and the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out, out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying. Okay, so um, it's really, you can highlight there that the Lord called out Moses out of the tabernacle. Now remember, I have to explain this way, 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 uh, uh, not way, way, but... Uh, you know, during the time in the wilderness, uh, God, uh, in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 20, uh, God made a covenant to the nation of Israel. And they said that you will be our God, and, we, and God said, you will be my people. I will, God said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And then we say, yes, whatever the Lord had commanded, we will follow. Then eventually, in Exodus chapter 32, we can see that they blatantly and right away break the covenant that they have done God, with God and between his people. And so there's like, God wants to dwell with his people. And this, God, uh, and this here, you can see that Mo, uh, God called Moses. It's a picture that Moses is outside of the tabernacle. So how can we, as sinful 
can approach or to get close to God. So we have to understand that we have a great problem of sin. And what is sin? We all know that in 1 John, sin is the transgression of the law. Or even we can say that anything that is not perfect, as perfect and holy as God. Any, can you remember that? No students? No, Soul Winners Academy. <laughs> okay, what is sin? So anything that is not as perfect and holy as God. So what is what sin does? Well, of course, to some some total, it is sin separates us from God, separates us from God. And whose problem is it? Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." So we can see that we have a great problem of sin. And as as long as a person don't understand that and never accept that reality, he cannot come in the presence of God. Why? Remember remember when you know after after the after Aaron and his family were being consecrated to God, what happened to Nadab and Abihu? They they right away, you know, this is a sad because they just, you know, consecrated and then right away they've sinned against God and God killed them. You know, you cannot approach in the presence of God having this sin in our lives. So it's really kind of a fear per se, but it's not a, it's not a, um, a, a trembling fear, but it's a fear that, you know, with, with respect because God is separate, as what we have said, because, the, because of God's holiness. Now the second one that we can see is not only we have a great problem, so Leviticus takes that out, that idea that we have a great problem of sin, but also the second one that God's provision of sacrifice. Now you, you can read that in Leviticus chapter 1 to, to verse 7. Those, there's, there's five sacrifices, different sacrifices there, there two of which are, you know, kind of a saying that thank you to God or uh, remembering him, the grain offering in, in, in that. And, and uh, three of those are saying, you know, we are sorry for what we have done. We, we, we acknowledge that we have sinned against God. So you see, God knows, God knowing that man had no position to do anything about sin, provided the way so that people can ha- get close to him and it's through sacrifice. And it's through sacrifice. Now, we, we, should, we should understand that there's no other way how to do sacrifice than what it, was, it is written in the book of Leviticus. Now, to make it an application today, a lot of people trying to make make ways to how to really approach God and how to worship God. But you see, it's all, it will still go back into what the Bible is saying. When we do worship to God, when we do sacrif- um, you know, sacrifice to God, what the Bible is saying. You know, so, and, and there are four basic principles that we see about sacrifices. Number one is we can see in the book of Leviticus that a worshiper could never come into the presence of God empty-handed. He is always 
had to bring an offering to the Lord. That's what you can see in the book of Leviticus. Number two is the Hebrew word for offering is actually literally translated to to brought near. To brought near. So this word provides a clue to the significance of sacrificial system. And the sacrifices provided the means by which a worshiper could come into the presence of God. The third principle that we can see in sacrifices is that sacrifices should be domestic, should be a domestic animal. Now, the animal uh, would be more valuable to the Israelites than to wild animal because he would take care of that animal and it would serve a purpose in life of the Israelites. So true sacrifice is only those that which was value and of cost to the worshiper and was to be brought to the Lord. Now, it's not, it's not something that, oh, let's go to the forest, let's go out in the field, uh, try to catch a donkey or sheep or all things. But uh, anyway, they're in the wilderness, uh, how they can find all of those things. Or uh, uh, find such a, uh, you know, a bullock or something, those in the wilderness, and just, okay, I'll just take there and, you know, give it to God. No, they should be of good value and cost to the worshiper. And that's why they had, the reason why they have sheep, the reason, the reason why God blessed them with, uh, you know, with cattle because it's for their means of how to get close to God. God provided it by himself. God provided, a diff, uh, you know, sacrifices for them. So meaning, like for example, uh, there are, I, you know, I don't know if there are Christians like that. Well, I... Um, no, uh, Pastor White is really preaching about Lotto. You know, um, if uh, if I win, I will give it to the Lord. Well, it's not a val- There's no value there, or cost to a worshiper. Right. So anything that we should give, you know, our offering, our missions giving, our faith promise, anything of those should have value. It's not something that, you know, oh, this is my extra, extra for God. It's not, I'm, I'm not also talking about just money. It's also about, with regards to our time and our talents. I'm so, I'm so sad with, when it comes to, like, when the children has really high intellect, right? And the parents would say, oh, you will be doctor, you will be like... Um, you know, engineer or things like that. But hey, uh, you're the youngest and you're not really smart as your brother, you know. And, uh, you know, you'll go to the Bible college. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so sad that even in that way of lifestyle, uh, Christians do in that route. You know, God is, you know, expects the best of the sacrifice that we can, that we have. And, you know, how, how we can give the best of our sacrifice. No, we should ask it to the Lord because he, he is the one that provided the sacrifice for us. And number four principle is that the gift, the, the gift dependent on one's financial situation. God makes sure 
that even the poor can offer a sacrifice for him. And that's why they ha we have this, the bullock, there's a sheep, and also two turtle doves, okay, uh, or uh, uh, pigeons. Um, uh, we can, you can see that. So um, <clears throat> he had to bring, so God made sure that even the poor can uh, offer a sacrifice for him. But it's not about, uh, we can see in those sacrifices, it's not about how big their sacrifice can be. But the amount of heart and commitment behind the gift. So they must also exercise as they do this sacrifices day and after day and day. They must also exercise faith in doing all these things. Remember um, when the Lord Jesus Christ looked unto people, they're giving out something. Um, uh, Pharisees would, would give you know, a lot. But this poor widow, she gave only two mites. But the Lord uh, uh, told, uh, tell us that she actually gave the best of, his, uh, of her life because he gave her all to God. Okay, so in that's all principles. So uh, four principles that we can see in sacrifice. So the worshiper took part in the sacrifice. He had to bring the animal to the tabernacle, and he had to lay his hand on the animal. And doing this, he was identifying himself with the animal. So the animal would be then become substitute for the worshiper, so that the animal would take his place and assume the penalty of the worshiper, worshiper's sin. And the penalty of sin, Romans 6, 23, says, for, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, so the penalty of sin is death. And each time an Israelite brought, he brought his sacrifice to the altar, he was reminded again and again and again how serious sin and the cost of sin and the penalty of sin. He has to watch the blood pouring from the innocent animal. And truly, Hebrews 9.22 says, without shedding of blood is no remission. So God himself provided a way to so that his people can get close to him. And these things give us a principle that before we approach the throne of grace and his holiness, we should deal with our sin first. We should deal with our sin first. Yes, we know. We know that uh, uh, Christ already paid all the sins that we, ha we, have, we have done from, uh, from, from the past, present, and future. But also God is telling to us that when we approach boldly in the throne of grace, that we should not you know, disregard the sin in our life. If I regard iniquity, the psalmist would say, in my heart the Lord will not hear me. And that's why it's really important um, to really see and understand that we have to deal sin first before we get close to God. 
And that's why when you enter the tabernacle of the congregation, what is the first thing that you can see? The brazen altar. Why? Because you have to deal your sin first before going down in the holy place, uh, going into the holy place. Okay, not only we can see how to get close to God, you know, God already, you know, provided sacrifice. It also um, gives us uh, an understanding that we have a great problem of sin. But um, God also, in the later part of this book, it says how to get close to God. Uh, how, to, how to stay close to God, I'm sorry. So the first one we all already tackled about how to get close to God. But in the second, we can see how to stay close to God. In Leviticus chapters 11 to 15, deals with the ritual purity that they have to maintain and observe. And, uh, and uh, ritual uh, purity of the people. And in chapters 18 to 20, deals with the moral purity of the people. And on these passages, God gave his people commandments how to stay close to him how to stay close to him for the, for them to stay in the presence of god so that god will stay always dwell in their midst they need to stay pure because we already build a foundation that god is holy so in order for god in order for his people to stay in the presence of god they had to observe this ritual purity and moral purity, and main, meaning they should live a life in accordance to what God set in his word. Now, in ritual purity, there are certain things that uh, they can get impure, such as um, uh, mentioned there in the book of Leviticus, in that chapters that I've said, a contact with reproductive fluids, uh, having a skin disease, uh, touching mold, touching dead bodies, Okay, eating impure animals. And uh, all this, God had specific commands how to deal with this if they would involve in impure actions or, you know, touching those uh, impure things. And God knows that they can't avoid it. And that's why God gave them specific commands so that they can stay close to God. But the bottom line of this, it's not just, you know, oh, I will not touch something okay stay stay out of me because you're impure it's not that to being legalized but the bottom line of this commands was to remind his people the children of israel that god's holiness should affect all areas of their lives it's not because of just doing this doing that doing this and doing that and all of these commands but god wants them to teach that the, uh, the the holiness should not just inside the tabernacle but they would go outside and even even when they live their life constantly for god they would live a holy life in all areas of their life so being holy it's not just one instance uh, one instance of their life you know when they during sacrifice now when they go out well they have to stay holy to stay holy with god and that's why god placed this commands to them 
And so God's holiness, God's holiness should permeate their entire being. Every day, they have to stay close to God. Again, not only we can see the ritual purity, but in chapters 18 to 20, God commanded Israelites to live different than the Canaanites. Right? You see, um, God should be a peculiar people for him and should not you know, look outside God's you know, um, given commands to them and not put their standards just like the others. You know, that's uh, when, when we try to build our standards just like them, just like that nation. The problem is we will be, you know, we will be derailed from our faith in God. And see, and, and we can see, it. so in chapters 18 to 20, the people of God, they had to care for the people instead of over, overlooking them. They must have high level of sexual integrity, and they are to promote justice throughout their entire land. So when, when the Israelites approach God in a prescribed manner, when they practice the principle of holiness and cleanliness, they would enjoy the great privilege of the presence of God. I hope that it's our desire also in our life to dwell in the presence of God. There's none like it, right? There's none like it. Now, um, actually, they, God let them experience to how it is to be in the presence of God. Now, look, into me, look with me in Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23. Uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. And Moses and Aaron, look into that phrase, went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people, and the glory of God appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar of the burnt offering in the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now you can see how, how majestic, how privileged it is to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, uh, you can see it is, is, did it work in the lives of his people in, the, in Israel? So, well, if you go into the numbers, now in, we read earlier Leviticus chapter 1 verse 1, and you can see in the book of Numbers, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, not, not out, out in the tabernacle, but it says, in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, because, because all these rituals, 
and, um, and rituals and sacrifices and all the commands that is written in the book of Leviticus. It's not just for them to, you know, to do this and do that. It's not a duty. But it is actually a privilege that God has given to them so that they can be in the presence of God always. And we know when, when we come from Leviticus, now going into the book of Hebrews, we can see that Jesus Christ fulfilled all what the law had required. And we can now approach the throne of grace. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. We can now freely come into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. So the question, can there be anything good out from this book? Well, I hope that, and this survey gives you, you know, something, an amazing perspective about the book of Leviticus. And when you read through your Bible, you know, you can sweep through. Oh, I can't wait till I go to Leviticus. Right? <laughs> so, um, so, are, uh, um, so are we still under in the ritual found in Leviticus? Well, the book of Hebrews told us that Jesus Christ fulfilled all uh, uh, and satisfied all the law's requirement. And together we say, Amen for that. Why? Do you still want to, you know, uh, can you imagine you know, Grace Baptist Church is we, if we're still in, uh, in this kind of ritual, we have to do this every day, right? You know, if Glenn would just drag the sheep, you know, he's my sacrifice. You know, you had to uh, bring this and that. Can you imagine you, there's a cattle in here and then before you approach here, you, you know, you have to slay that in the foyer and, uh, you know, all this such. It's, it's weird to, to look into. But that's the picture of our sin. But uh, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice, we are, you know, we are uh, free from those things. And it's not just, you know, the, the things that they do, it's not just, oh, it's good for them. No, it's also good for us. Because it teaches us how to really get close to God and how to stay close to God. So in closing, when we, when in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, I'll tell you this, Let us therefore come boldly in the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is commanding us. You know, we don't have, you don't, we don't need to fear to go into the presence of God because the righteousness that imputed in us through Jesus Christ is, is in us already. And we can now approach the throne of grace. Now let me ask you, are these teachings relevant to Christians today? the things that we uh, discuss in the book of Leviticus? I, I hope it is. <laughs> and absolutely, yes. And do, 
And uh, do we still commit sin? As what the book of Leviticus revealed to us? Yes, of course, we do commit sin. And that's why God commanded us to confess our sins. Because he is faithful and just to forgive us as our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did God provide a sacrifice for us? Yes, it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God provided an ultimate sacrifice. Is holiness still a relevant uh, topic for every Christian? Does God still desire his people to be different than the world? Well, in closing, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, 5, verse 15. And to answer that question, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And that's what we can see. Is the holiness still relevant topic to our, Christ, to our Christians? Yes, because God wants us to be holy in every, the, the verse says, in all manner of conversation.